0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. Today, we're talking all about STEM education, and we're working today with three amazing women, and we're going to be talking about Microsoft's Make What's Next campaign. I want to introduce our panel today from Microsoft Philanthropies. I want to introduce Tracy Kennedy. Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, Jeff. Hey, everybody. Good to see you. I am so excited to be here with you today and to talk about um, what we can do to keep girls inspired and engaged in STEM and computer science with your other wonderful women on this panel.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. You are the Director of Marketing for YouSpark. Tell us a little bit about YouSpark and what it's doing these days.
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, Microsoft Spark is part of Microsoft Philanthropies and Microsoft Philanthropies was really created to uh, help ensure that technology was working for people. Um, and uh, in the case of YouthSpark, we really focus on ensuring that as many young people as possible have access to the digital skills and computer science education that can help them be successful today and tomorrow.
0: Where can anybody go to learn more information about Youth Sparks and the Microsoft Philanthropy programs?
1: That's a great question. So, uh, the easiest URL is youthsparkhub.com, and that will get you to a great overview of the free resources uh, and activities and um, links to nonprofit organizations we support uh, that uh, you can peruse um, on the web.
0: Very, very nice. Our second guest today is an educator for the last 22 years and is doing some fantastic things in her school. I want to bring on Denise Spence. Denise, how are you today?
2: Great. How are you? I'm excited to be a part of this uh, webcast and uh, sharing uh, some insight into how we can really bridge the gap between uh, why girls aren't getting into the uh, STEM uh, and careers and then uh, kind of share some of the things that we're doing at Dunbar High School.
0: Nice. Tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you're uh, working on these days at Dunbar.
2: So I am uh, the IT Programs Manager for Dunbar High School. We offer over, um, gosh, I think we're at 35 industry credentials that students can get in the areas of network administration, uh, game design and programming, and uh, engineering. And then um, some of the, the, the focus that I've been uh, kind of personally taxed myself to is like trying to make sure that we're catering to some of the young ladies who have chosen to get into the uh, computer science uh, fields. And we're kind of feeling a little angst because there are only a few of them that are choosing the network administration track to do the full track. So I'm mentoring them. I have a girls club called Go For It, Girls Opting for Information Technology. And uh, so we uh, we kind of pile around together, try to make sure that they feel comfortable in what they're learning.
0: Very, very nice. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our next guest is a Microsoft Innovative expert. I want to bring on Miss Tiffany Thompson. Tiffany, how are you today? Welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you, Jeff. I am doing great.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, as you said, I am an um, an MIE or Microsoft Innovative Educator Expert. I'm also an Instructional Technology Specialist, so I work with a lot of school districts um, on how to incorporate technology into instruction. Right now, I've been working with my local school district, um, or I should say neighboring districts, on how to encourage girls to get more into STEM. I've been trying to help them develop a lot of after-school activities um, and, and free programs and encourage them to take part in free programs that are around the state already and encourage girls um, to get more into STEM, into STEM fields.
0: Well, we have a great show. Thank you guys out there for being on the program, and also thank you guys for listening today. There's, of course, several great ways that you out there can be a part of this program. We love it when you find us on Twitter, at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.com dot net slash voicemail, email us at feedback at net, And of course, you can subscribe to this and all of our shows over at teachercast.net slash audio and teachercast.net slash video. And so let's just kind of open the conversation here talking a little bit about this this campaign that Microsoft has called Make What's Next. Uh, Tracy, tell us a little bit about the Make What's Next campaign. Yeah,
1: well, you know, Microsoft's mission is to really um, empower Uh, every organization and person on the planet to achieve more. And, you know, to do that, it's really important for us to take a step back and think about how we ensure that all people, especially those least likely to have access to technology, can uh, engage uh, in using technology to achieve more, but also creating with technology to create new and innovative solutions. And, So Make What's Next was really about acknowledging that we have a a gap uh, in this this STEM um, area. In particular, actually, if you look at the data, it's really not um, STEM in general, but more specifically computer science uh, and computing fields. And it's important for us to think about that, not just for the girls' sake, because we want them to have all of the opportunities um, available to them, but also it's really important for for us all as human beings and uh, community members uh, in the world because we know that when we have diversity of thought, um, a a diversity of opinions, that we end up having more creative problem solving happening and more innovation um, happening. And that is really good for all of us because we have some big meaty um, problems that we need to solve Uh, today and certainly tomorrow.
0: Now, I I love the campaign. Of course, you can follow everything over at MakeWhatsNext.com. And I I want you to talk to us a little bit about the, the video package that you have here. Let me see if I can pull this up. But basically, in the video package, it starts off by saying, we asked girls what they wanted to change in the world. What did you find out when they actually answered that question? Well,
1: what we found out was what we... No, they have passion for the environment, um, they really want to help change the world. And so that was really the question we put to them and um, you, you see in the video the, the responses that were um, not scripted, those were all real girls uh, with real responses.
0: I, I think the video is amazing. Of course, you can check out everything over there at makewhatsnext.com. There's a lot of great resources here. There's a lot of amazing information that you can find here. Now, talk to us a little bit about what what, what else is going on with, with YouthSpark and, and with this program here. This is something that anybody can reach out on the hashtag on Twitter and collaborate with Microsoft.
1: Well, you know, at, there's a number of ways to get involved. I mean, I think that one of the things that makes this particular campaign so exciting is that it really is a way to bring together um, a lot of different areas here at Microsoft. We're a very big company. We have a lot of passionate employees that, you know, volunteer their their time, that give up their money. Um, we have organizations like Microsoft Philanthropies that is really focused on ensuring uh, those that are least likely to have access to, uh, to technology, digital skills, computer science, education, um, get those and we have amazing partners in our education team and these amazing Microsoft innovative educators. And so it's, it's really this moment in time that um, is around International Women's Day where we chose to, to highlight and to use Microsoft's voice to spark a conversation about um, girls and STEM. And, and last year, it was about, you know, raising awareness that, you know, we don't teach girls about girl inventors. And, and one thing that we do know, it's really important to keep girls engaged is they need to be able to see themselves in these roles. So they need more role models um, and they need that inspiration. And, um, and so really, this campaign is about sparking those conversations um, in the larger community. It's about um, really inspiring girls uh, to to stick with it and, and to really spark conversations like we're having today. And, you know, getting not just girls and women thinking about what they can do, but also really you know asking men and um and boys what they can do to help girls stay in stem and make what's next.
0: Well, let's ask some of those questions here. We'll kind of open up the conversation here to everybody on the panel, but talk to us a little bit about the gender gap. I know everybody here is being focused on bringing in more women and more girls into their stem programs. Is this a challenge? Is this something that is difficult or is is this something that maybe, as you said, there aren't enough role models out there so girls don't know that they have these opportunities? Talk to us a little bit about the programs going on in in your schools today.
2: So, um, I personally, uh, you know, I have a girls club, and so I post some of those same questions to them all the time, like, what is it that is is preventing other young girls? Because obviously they've chosen to get into the tech field, but there's some that have not, and so what is it that is 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 like hampering them? There, and a lot of them are are really. It's about that that relationship that they have with themselves, and then on top of it is the relationship that they have with their peers. So, um, one of them answered uh, really, boys and uh, and men that are in in the the industry sharing their experiences isn't really the problem. It's really that they're they don't see enough of their peers doing what doing those uh skill sets you know so there's not enough girls so they hold back um they don't take on that leadership role because they're afraid another girl is going to judge them on you know what they that they're going to take on this role that is supposedly you know a boy centered role and so if they do it are they going to think that they're more masculine or more you know into um boy-like things and less feminine. So uh, I think that sometimes there's, there's that conflict that you know, they really want to do this, but then they're afraid about how it's going to affect their peer relationships.
0: And do you see that struggle for, for young women? Is that, is that a middle school, high school trade? Or do you see that even in the primary grades where they're not quite being as interested in these topics?
2: You know, uh, it's funny because I've taught uh, elementary, I've taught middle school, and I've taught high school and college. And I actually, I think um, elementary school kids are less apt to have that as a trait. They're more, you know, they often take on and, and try new things. But I think as they grow older, they start noticing how people notice them. And so they start holding back, you know, and start being a little more reserved if they... You know, if they feel like they're being judged.
0: Tiffany, talk to us a little bit about your experiences. Are you feeling the same uh, the same way? Do you have students that are that fit the same uh, profile as uh, what Denise was talking about?
3: So somewhat. so i um, I work with a variety of students as well. And what I've been finding is that um, with the elementary students, I think it's more about what the adults are doing. Um, I think fewer girls um, at the lower levels, are not pursuing STEM activities or engaged in STEM activities because they aren't introduced to it early enough. Um, I I, I know that I once read an article that that the girls decide to become involved with STEM early on when they're introduced to STEM toys or activities um, at, at, at a young age. But I think as we move them from elementary to middle to high, um, this trend kind of kind of continues on into school, and then it later translates into their career field. So I can remember my high school teacher telling me I should be a writer because she felt that I liked writing poems or typing poems on the computer. But she never once asked if I liked technology or if I was more interested in technology or science, which actually I did pretty well in and were my favorite subjects. And even recently, working with the school districts um, in my area, I found that no matter how much we promote STEM and saying it's for it's for everyone, and that um, and that we really want to see girls involved in STEM, a lot of it comes from parents. You know, we still have parents who are like, girls should play with dolls and girls should wear pink and girls should do this, and boys should play with trucks and boys should. Um, be involved in science and technology. And so um, we push boys into these STEM fields and we push girls into these non-STEM fields starting early on. And then it's consistent throughout their entire li- entire lives. And then I feel as though these stereotypes don't really disappear. They just don't. Um, hence the reason boys grow up thinking, you know, they can't play with dolls or they can't be a nurse. And girls grow up thinking they can't be like Albert Einstein or, or like Matthew Henson. Um, and so... these kind of stereotypes weigh heavily on us because I'm a girl. I can say it weighs heavily or weighed heavily on me. Um, and then unfortunately as I got older, um, society continued to reinforce this sort of stereotype. And then it wasn't until I actually moved overseas to Japan and realized that a lot of girls there, and I was an adult, but more younger girls in high school um, that I was working with, they were interested in technology and they were doing things and creating things and doing robotics. Um, And so I think... um, it's 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 up to us as the adults to kind of encourage them and be their cheerleaders. Um, I I recently offered a robotics and coding um, club for for young kids and K through five, and I only had one girl, one girl, and that was my son's best friend. <laughs> and the only reason she came is because she had been over to our house playing with our little robot, um, Dash and um, Dash and Dot, mm-hmm. and so she was excited about it. But I think that. Um, it, it starts early and we need to try to change that. We need to get to the kids early uh, and, and change their perceptions so that they don't later lead this or kind of think that they can't be in STEM because of their
1: gender. Well, I mean, interesting, Tiffany and Denise, you know, there's, there's research out there that, um, you know, and it, it differs a little bit, but basically the, the research shows that there really isn't any difference in, um, the enthusiasm around, you know STEM subjects, uh, but that it starts to precipitably drop off uh, around age uh, eleven or twelve. And you know, one thing I think that we we need to really think about is, you know, to not oversimplify. So you, certainly gender stereotypes um, you know play a role in people's perception about what what girls and boys should be doing. Um, and also, um, there are myths that we need to help debunk for girls. So and when you ask um, girls about computer science, for example, you know, they envision um, somebody in a basement, you know, playing video games or coding, you know, all by themselves when, when actually, you know, computer science is a very collaborative um, exercise that, you know, computer scientists uh, do things as teams. They solve problems as teams. It's actually a very creative endeavor. Um, they think if they're not good with math, then they won't be good with computer science. All of these things are are myths that we can help uh, really debunk. Um a lack of role models is another issue. There's a whole other set of issue about why uh, young women and um, and and women may not uh, stay in STEM fields. So I, I don't want us to oversimplify um, this this issue, even the curriculum, right? how how it's being taught in the in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, girls very much like, to understand how you know what they're doing um, is related to their own life, um, and not just girls, right? Many kids we know problem-based learning, right? How does what I'm learning today in class, um, you know, make sense in, in the real world? And being able to give them hands-on and opportunities to uh, to collaborate, and then encourage them to keep learning. So you know, we know things like even as simple as doing an hour of code um, will dramatically increase uh, a girl's um, feeling and, and how they think about computer science. That's just one hour. Girls in high school who, um, who do computer science uh, or do, who do an hour of code, I'm, I'm sorry, um, tutorial, uh, are, are more likely to feel positive about computer science. Um, so there's lots of different things I think that we can do to, to help girls see themselves in these, um, in these fields. Uh, and we just need to keep giving them the experience uh, and the encouragement to uh, to try it. It's fun. I also,
2: yeah, yeah. And I also think that um, you know bringing in the parents um, in, at a much younger age and having them do activities with you know their young girls in you know STEM activities and you know so they can see their child in a in, a, in that perspective. You know, like you said, sometimes they'll they'll buy the the certain toys for the certain gender or whatever, but you know maybe if they actually if schools would you know have those you know they have those stem days or have activities where they bring the parents in and then the girls can actually you know be involved in, and do those activities with their parents and then the parents start wanting to promote that more with them they see that light of interest and light of uh, you know challenge for that young lady and then um, you'll see them do it more
0: we, we really seem to be breaking this down into three different categories, right? We, we have the beginning, which is the advertising. And you talked about how do we get the parents involved? How do we create the programs that will bring in, you know, girls into these STEM areas? Then we have once the kid is in the program, how do we keep them there? And, you know, we talk a lot about peers. And I know with the music background, you always saw that in that middle school area, if, if you lose one girl, you lose five and that's always one of those harder transitional years and then of course it's keeping them and, and and how do you how do you keep them going through those teenage years up into college to get to that stuff let's talk a little bit about the advertisements what strategies would you suggest when you're creating those stem clubs in any of the grade levels what, what do you Give to the parents. How do you show off? What can you do to really recruit um, anybody? But let's focus on on young women to be into these programs in the first place.
2: Well, um, one of the things that we okay, oh, <laughs> one of the things that we've done, uh, um, our girls' club actually um, tried to create like their own little marketing video. So they you know so they went and produce uh, using Premiere Pro and um, put together like this fun you know, um, playful kind of like showing all the different things we do in the club. And then, you know, cause I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a social aspect that ha- has to play in there with, uh, with our, with young ladies, you know, that they, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, they're not the, the, the boy trapped in the basement doing computer science, that they they feel that they're going to still be social and still be able to learn the computer science kinds of things and, and interact with other human beings. And I think if you can show those elements that it's not about you know being confined into this little area and, and coding behind the scenes, it's actually, like um, Tracy said, is it's collaborating with with other people to produce something of, of something... Significant, And I think something significant for the community, something significant for um, themselves, and then uh, showcasing that with other young girls.
3: I think um, I, I, I like that. And um, Denise, um, I, I also found that with, um, with the college level students that I work with, one of the things that really brought them into um, trying to learn more about tech, we created um, a, a techno squad um, of, of sorts. And we asked girls and and we asked everyone really, but we tried to encourage girls as well to be a part of this techno squad. So, they are kind of like the ambassadors for other students on our campus. Um, and so they encourage other students to come in to try tech tools, to participate in activities like we just I recently just uh, planned this bits and bytes sort of activity where anyone could stop by and ask questions um, about various technologies. And I asked the techno squad which is now made up mostly of girls to come in to demo and kind of be role models and ambassadors for um, for these types of activities. And I think um, if we have um, to promote it, have like open discussions and have women role models there so that they can actually see... Um, their their face or people that look like them uh and kind of see themselves in those roles then i think they're more likely to be interested whereas if they don't see themselves then they probably like you said think that oh it's i'm going to be down in the basement by myself and and i'll be the only one or they'll be i'll be the only girl and then they don't want to participate so um i think it's important to make sure that they feel um like they're, they're, they're inclusive, that they're included in this sort of field.
0: Well, it's one thing to be the, the the tech person, and that could be a tech coach, tech teacher, whatever, and know that this gender gap exists and know that you're the one that's trying to recruit everybody into these programs. What can a tech coach or a tech person do to encourage uh, general education classroom teachers to encourage their students that they're with every single day to maybe try some of these engineering things, or even just go out and, as a fourth or fifth grade teacher, do a STEM activity on their own with their students without the use of, you know, the, the tech coach, the the STEM coordinator, something like that. How do, how do we bring STEM and try to bridge the the gender gap in the regular classrooms?
1: Can I talk about just a computer science real, real really quickly? I mean, we we have been talking a little bit about you know older um, older girls. And I think one of the things that we need to do is to help debunk some myths with um, adults, right? With uh, with educators who hear the words computer science and mm-hmm. think, "Oh, that's not me, right? That's for right. high school or that's for college." And and actually, there's you know uh, a couple of different computer science uh, standards frameworks that are uh, are coming out. They're very closely related to uh, math in, in some ways but it's really about teaching kids how to think logically. And that needs to happen, you know, in kindergarten, right? To to teach them to be creative problem solvers, um, you know, how to think uh, logically and, and break things down into smaller bits. Um, an output of computer science education is grit and perseverance and being okay with failure. And these are all things that, that teachers um, really know intuitively, but they don't think about as things that can be taught through a computer science education that can be integrated into other curriculum areas. And so one of the things that I've seen um, teachers, especially of younger kids really excited about is like the realization that you can teach computer science um, concepts without even having kids on a computer. And so I'd encourage anyone who hasn't gone out and checked out um, the great curriculum on csunplugged.org. Um, you know, they, there are exercises that get kids, you know, out in the playground, um, doing things with blackboards, um, organizing cups and, and doing puzzles that is computer science um, without a computer because it's really teaching that computational thinking and problem solving.
3: I I, I um, would like to piggyback on that and say, I know as a teacher um, and educator myself, one of the things that I initially tried to do was provide more open-ended, sort of non-specific tasks that allow m- my own students to um, explore their own interests and in multiple intelligences. I think, um, and I've had conversations with a lot of um, educators that I work with and teachers that are in my um, my grad level course. And a lot of times they say, well, this is my multiple intelligence, or this is how I learn, um, and I'm not comfortable teaching or don't feel confident and strong teaching to other intelligences. And I think that if we let students explore their own interests and use their own multiple intelligences, um, as well as create sort of uh, STEM-related learning experiences, then we can reach a a lot more students. I think... Also, um, it's about differentiation. I am um, a big proponent of um, differentiation and being um, a true um, universal designer for learning. And we should provide more opportunities where students can um, express themselves and engage um, in activities um, that relate to their learning style. And then not only that, provide more opportunities for them to see themselves in STEM fields. Um, As you mentioned, just seeing themselves in books or, um, or in, cl- in classroom decor and conversation, real life and creating more problem based experiences and creative um, thinking and problem solving um, and even interdisciplinary units that not necessarily are STEM related, but as you said, build on or weave in STEM, tops, STEM, STEM topics and, um, um, and STEM skills.
0: You know, for so many educators out there, the question is, well, what can I do? How do I get involved with all of this? And I know over on Make What Next, Next dot com, there is a section called Get Involved, and maybe we can talk about some of these things here. One of the things that is suggested onto the uh, getting involved, and we've already mentioned it here a couple times, is the Hour of Code. Now. For many people, hour of code is just the beginning, right? It doesn't mean sixty minutes and stop, put it away until the next right. December. It's, right. I mean, there's there's what here. There's over a hundred and seventy five. I don't know the exact number, but there's a ton of different resources that are, you know, elementary spe- specific, middle school, high school specific, boy specific, girl specific. There's a lot of things in here that are very, very amazing, and and I've used a lot of these literally K twelve. As a tech coach in my district, can we talk a little bit about what parents and educators can find over at HourOfCode.com?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to do that. Uh, code.org is actually one of um, Microsoft's largest uh, recipients of um, our philanthropic um, funding. So we were one of the original um, funders of Code.org and continue to be one of their uh, largest financial backers. So we are really, really proud of the amazing work that Code.org has, uh, has done. And in fact, this morning, there was an article in um, Fortune, uh, a blog online, and it was talking about um, the great strides that they've actually made in engaging um, girls uh, through their different uh, activities. So yes. Hour of Code is a great place to start, a great place to um, uh, spark interest. And one of the reasons it's a great place to start is because kids can really do it on their own. Um, you know, as young as you know five or six, they need some basic um, kind of reading ability and ability to follow instructions, but um, no one needs to be an expert uh, in computer science. Uh, There's great resources there for educators about how to run an Hour of Code uh, in their own classrooms uh, at the school level. Uh, There's a great Minecraft tutorial, and um, you all know how kids love Minecraft, so that's a great way to to get them engaged. And a very large percentage of Minecraft fans are are girls as well, so Hour of Code is great. But I really want to emphasize, Jeff, what you said. It's a great place to start. What to do next? Well, if you just click... um, In the code.org site, you can see that there's actually something called Code Studio, which is a a curriculum, I believe it's 20 hours, I might be misspeaking, but I believe it's about 20 hours of of curriculum. And again, students can do this on their own. Um, So, you know, no one needs to be an expert in technology uh, in order to engage in these uh, activities.
0: And of course, there's a lot of great resources over here for that. I want to bring up another thing that's on the website here as far as the, the reach out and try something. I understand now that the Microsoft uh, stores are also providing uh, opportunities for people to learn more about coding. Could you talk a little bit about the spark programs that you can find at the Microsoft stores?
1: Yeah, we love partnering with our Microsoft stores. So um, they are very committed to uh, enabling people who may not be able to pay for, um, you know, coding camps. So all of our YouthSpark uh, camps and classes are free. Um, in April, they've been doing uh, a lot of uh, Digigirls uh, workshops, which are uh, two-hour. Um, kind of girl experiences with the technology where they actually do an hour of code where the stores bring in um, role models. And if you go to that, you know, use Spark hub, you can actually look up the, um, the store, Microsoft store in your uh, area and see what the offerings are. And for all of you educators out there, the stores love to partner with educators um, with field trips or a uh, nonprofit partner. So oftentimes, you know, Boys and Girls Club will will bring kids to the stores uh, to have a workshop. But they work very, very closely with our wonderful uh, educator community um, to, to offer these free experiences for uh, kids. So speaking but, of kids, oh, go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, um, there's also uh, the Microsoft Virtual Academy that um, is for a, some more advanced uh, learning opportunities. So you know, if once you kind of get your feet wet and get more advanced and you want to learn more, that that Microsoft Virtual Academy, which you know, it's know it, prove it, and then uh, develop it further, is I think is the kind of mantra in there. And, um, and I think it's free uh, resource. Some of our students have uh, utilized it to you know. Kind of scratch an itch on uh, certain areas of either whether it's in uh, networking or whether it's in um, you know programming. They actually found some some resources there for them to learn from.
0: Tiffany, what are your go-to resources?
3: well my favorite one is is um it's i use it with my own six-year-old and i've just recently gotten my four-year-old on it but i i like the cold game lab as well and um ccga is really really a good curriculum to get the students and teachers started on especially if they want to um, to be more consistent with using coding in their classroom uh, and having the students develop their own games and own apps and so they can start with code.org and then when they're ready to build it out and expand their curriculum, then they can certainly visit um, the educator community and get uh, the CTGA or the creative coding through gaming and apps such a long title creative coding through gaming and apps um, curriculum, which is about 12 units of, um, of lesson plans. Activities and quizzes that teachers can use that are already pre-created for them, using the and um, it uses the Microsoft Touch Develop, the free Touch Develop software.
0: So, as we're sitting here talking all about the the uh, you know the gender gap and 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 making sure that we bring in as many young women as possible, I, I want to talk about my own kids here for a second. You know, I have three three-year-olds, two boys and a girl, and already. Uh, you know, my daughter is asking me to take out our Surface tablet and to draw different pictures. And then she gets a chance to get, she's like, she's asking me to make up our own Pictionary games. What kinds <laughs> of things, you know, again, two boys, one girl. How, how can I be a good dad and not have a gender gap in my own house? How can I make sure that all three kids are learning technology, STEM, all of those things? What advice do you have for the, you know, we, we say, k-12 a lot but we're talking pre-k here how, how do we start to get involved or what kinds of things do we have and i'm glad i think it was tiffany who brought up dot and dash i just picked up one of them and the kids love those things but yes. uh, what what, re, what what can we do if we have very very young kids and we don't want to see them become part of the statistic of the gender gap
2: well, there's there's robotics kits out there for yeah. for young kids to utilize, which has the, a programming component to it that you know teaches the logic skills, um, you know. And I, I and I think that how I actually got into computer science myself was through my father. You know, my dad actually um, helped me get some of the skills that you know made me more interested in the you know the computer uh, aspects. You know, he taught me. How, actually about databases and things of that nature. So um, I think you not just, hey, hey, hanging out with your sons and doing things. I think you actually, you know, being the father-daughter time and you guys are creating and inventing together something really cool and then, you know, and then there's an outcome with it. I
3: um I have a little I have little ones about your age um well my youngest anyway um is almost 4 um and so we use a lot of actual board games that forces them to think um, and do problem solving and 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 when I say board games I mean simple old fashioned board games um we even do um we recently bought um not monopoly the um, I can't even think uh, think of it for a second but but I also, just recently bought a game on Amazon called Robot Turtles. And it's for young kids. Um, and, it's, and it's a board game that they can actually play. There is no technology or actual robot involved, um, but it's really, really fun for the kids. Uh, on our iPad, we have things like the foos and Codable. Um, there's a, 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 um, another app, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like Think and Learn, Codapillar, things like that that are actually free um, that you can download and play with your kids. Um, or have them play with it, but we, we do puzzles, puzzles, teaching them sequencing, um, which is a precursor to coding, right? Teaching them how to move um, things on a, on a game board or how to move pieces on a game board. So just starting with basic skills um, and, and then moving on from there, introducing them to problem solving and, think, and logical thinking um, at, a, at a younger
1: age using basic toys and games. And then I'll add um, a couple ideas, Jeff. Uh, one is to um, to also, it's a, it's a simple thing, but up on usparkhub.com, uh, we have a list of toys, books, um, movies, and television shows that you can um, read with, watch with, uh, engage with your, your kids and just you know, surfacing positive role models for, um, for girls and, and at the same time delivering the message to your boys in a very subtle way that, you know, um, STEM and computer science is for, uh, for everyone, right? Not, it's not just for one um, sex, it's for everyone. And then the other thing I would say is start advocating for your kids now. So take a look at the school district that you're in, see whether computer science is even offered in high school Um, uh, You might be shocked to know that computer science is only offered in a quarter of the high schools in the United States, in the United States, and that there will be um, over a million jobs available for computer and computer science um, careers and nowhere near enough uh, people graduating um, with the skills needed to fill those jobs. So start advocating for computer science in your school district now and um, Code.org has some ways to do that. Microsoft has some ways to do that. Um, It's that building capacity and uh, helping advocate with your state legislators to make computer science uh, mandatory for all uh, students.
0: All amazing answers and uh, I, I know I'll certainly be listening to this and, and taking some notes on everything that everyone's saying here. We've been talking a lot today about bridging the gender gap, how to bring in more girls into STEM, into coding programs. Um, I, I want to close with one very important question here. You know, we're, we're here to support the great work that Microsoft is doing, Microsoft Philanthropies, Microsoft Education. Talk to us um about what Microsoft is doing here, talk to us a little bit about what their next steps are. What can we expect from Microsoft, or what can we help with Microsoft and support them um, maybe over the next six to twelve months to help out with this gender gap?
1: Well, it's really not about, you know helping Microsoft, right? It's really it's it's really about making sure that um, everybody has the the skills needed to really live their fullest to their fullest potential. Um, you know, For Microsoft, we have that mission statement about helping every uh, organization and person on the planet to achieve more. And for Microsoft Philanthropies, that really uh, means looking for those places where those, those people who are least likely to um, have access to these opportunities and working with um, incredible nonprofits like Code.org, like Girls Who Code, like the Boys and Girls Club, like City Year, um we actually work with over a hundred um we've provided grants to uh over a hundred nonprofits around the world. We work across sixty countries um in the world, and we really focus on these three areas of building the capacity of of school systems and nonprofits to be able to offer digital literacy and computer science education um to those most at risk. Uh we work um on policy, impacting policy at the at the government, at the state level, um, to really help people understand why computer science education is so in important for all of us um, and our future. And then really what what I think everyone on this call can really help do is, is help create that demand um, through all of the different ways that we've talked about it. Go explore those resources on um, usparkhub.com. Uh, um, look for ways to debunk those myths look for ways to uh, engage all young people um, in in the opportunity to to learn uh, these these skills and you know we'll have to have another conversation um, because it's not just girls right it's people of color um, it's uh, people in in rural communities um, you know in this country there's still people who don't have broadband uh, internet access so, there's lots that we need to do and Microsoft feels a very weighty responsibility um, to help make sure that uh, everybody, um, you know, really has the opportunity to uh, succeed in this, in this world that has, has really been transformed by technology.
0: Well, I certainly wanna echo what you said and let's definitely do a follow-up show with this because this is such an important topic and something that I, I'd love to continue having on here on TeacherCast. Ladies, I wanna say thank you so much for taking the time out today. Um, Tiffany, where can we learn more about you and how do we follow you on your social channels?
3: So you can follow me on Twitter at DigiScholars. Um, I'm also on Facebook, using the same name so facebook.com slash digi scholars and i have a website called uh, uh digital Cons- uh, scholars consulting so you can find me at www.digitalscholarsconsulting.com
0: excellent and uh denise how can we uh, learn more about the great things that you're doing these days
2: well actually um i i'm our social media person for our, our school uh dunbar high school so if you have Follow Dunbar High School. I post a lot of things about what we're doing at Dunbar High School. Um, my Twitter handle is super blonde, but I'm not really good at <laughs> tweeting. Um, however, um, like I said, most of my most of my social media comes through me being uh, proactive about the things we're doing at Dunbar High School. So just follow Dunbar High School in uh, Fort Myers, Florida.
0: Very nice, and Tracy, I'll give you the last words. Tell us one more time: where can we find out more information about Microsoft Philanthropies, and how do we get a hold of everything that's happening over at YouthSpark? Uh,
1: well, you can, um, if you're interested in all of the work that Microsoft does, which uh, goes beyond just um, this area of of youth uh, focus. You can follow us um, on Twitter at uh, at Microsoft Philanthropy, so you can do that. And um, for the work that we've been talking about here today, you can go to youthsparkhub.com and see all of the great resources and um, links to to many of the nonprofits that we've talked about and resources uh, back on the Microsoft Educator Network. So um, the Educator Network actually has a great curated page of um, content and resources for educators specifically. So, you know, make sure to visit and, and take a look at all of their great um, STEM resources and including, you know, the Hack the STEM uh, curriculum, including the, um, the uh, course that uh, was mentioned earlier by, uh, by Tiffany. There's some great introductory um, professional development that if you just really don't get what computer science is, um, you know, I did it six months ago. Uh, it was great. And so, um, yeah, just get engaged. Just you know, start paying attention. Um, and uh, yeah, Google Alerts is great. Computer science. Nice.
0: And one more time, we want to say thank you to all of our guests. And also thank you to you out there for listening to our show and being a part of TeacherCast and the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. There's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this show or suggest a topic for a future show. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. And, of course, we love it when you subscribe to all of our shows over on TeacherCast.net slash audio and TeacherCast.net slash video. Everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.